start every episode with me saying we are recording and you because I think the last two that we've done have been that. Is you being like, we are recording and me being like, yay, it's time. It is exciting. It is very exciting. Well, welcome. This is Life After Mars, a Veronica Mars podcast. I'm Corey, the self-professed super fan. I'm Sean, the self-professed Veronica Mars virgin. (laughs) That's a good one. I like that. I mean... Okay, yeah. I feel like you're getting kind of like frisky now because you've got I've, one episode in. I made it to first base. Dipping your toe. Yeah. <laughs> made it to first base. I love it. Okay, so today we're talking about season one, episode two, Credit Where Credit's Due, which originally aired on the UPN on September 24th, 2004. Uh, so one of the great things I always think of a second episode in any show is, so you know when you, you film a pilot, you are basically trying to sell this premise to a network mm-hmm. and you have everything kind of in place and you shop it around, but oftentimes pilots are shot way before the rest of the season is shot. And so one of the things I always love about the second episode is kind of paying attention to things that change. Like, thank God her hair is a little bit better in this episode. It's not that like fringed out wispy thing. I'm still not 100% happy with it. With her hair? Yeah. Well, it was in a ponytail for most of this episode. I think that's what bothered me. Also, she was wearing a hat, which I was like, you could wear hats to high school. My high school, you could not wear hats. But you can't wear a hat in a restaurant. No. No. You know what's so funny about that scene um, when she's with her father at the diner is I feel like it's weird moments like that that kind of remind me of my dad. Like, like Keith Mars in some ways. Not just because my dad's a retired cop, but he... Just, like, kind of the ways he, like, lovingly, like, chastises her for things where it's like, do you think it's appropriate to be doing that? And I think also it's a reminder. It's like, yes, this man is her father. It doesn't look like it, but yes, he is her father. I don't know. I feel like, I feel like, to me, they look believably father and daughter. I don't know. No? Okay. Well... What we should probably do is tell you what happens in this episode. Yeah, that's probably so a good idea. I, I've got my synopsis here. So in Credit Where Credit's Due, Weevil's grandma, the housekeeper for the Eccles family, is accused of credit card fraud. Veronica clashes with Logan's spoiled, rotten girlfriend, Caitlin, played by one Paris, Paris Hilton. Hilton. I'm not going to refer to her as Caitlin in this episode, by the way. Her name <laughs> Just is Paris. Paris Hilton. And Veronica catches the eye of new guy Troy Vandergraaff, the friend of her ex, Duncan Kane. So this episode opens with the O-Niner beach party flyer, mm-hmm. which is in code, which I just think is super cool. I, I think they're really laying it on thick, the whole noir thing. Uh, Whatever. No, no, I loved it. Okay. Like it, it was, it, it, I didn't say it was a bad thing. Yeah. Um, the, the, the first, because I, I was taking notes and I have a little section just called noir theme. And I'm just trying to like pick out things. And that was like first. Actually, that was the driver for creating that category. Mm -hmm. So thank you, Flyer. (laughs) Yeah, I love I love the Flyer. And I love Wallace's just like super excitement of like, let's go to this party. And Veronica's like, yeah, no, this is it. It's in code (laughs) because they don't want people, us undesirables at this party. But I think that the party is super important because we are again reminded of this kind of class divide within Neptune, which is something that reoccurs throughout the entire show, is that you've got these O-Niners who are very prestigious. They're the children of movie stars and tech people and well-off financial people. Mm -hmm. And then you've got this lower income side of the city that's bust into the school. So you've kind of always got this 
war and what side, not war, but tension right. that exists everywhere. But I feel like it's illustrated really great here when they're at the beach and Weevil and the PCHers show up and they kind of have that altercation with, with Logan and Paris, his right. girlfriend. <laughs> and, and also, I think this is where it establishes that um, their grandmother works for Logan's family, which is very critical for this, uh, yes. this episode. Yeah, it is. It is super important. Oh, and I mean, at the beach, too, we also are introduced to Troy Vandergraaf, mm-hmm. who which I was is... Very, I, I didn't pick up on what his character was supposed to be at first. He's the new kid. I, I got that. Yeah. Yeah, it just took me a while to figure that out. Yeah. He's also wealthy, but he's, like, accessible. You know, he's, like, cool, cool guy, Troy he, He's the wealthy guy that listens to Black Flag. Sure. Right. <laughs> I don't know what Black Flag is. It's, it's a punk band. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, sure. That's Troy <laughs> in a nutshell. So that kind of sets the scene, and then we transition into kind of like a, a snapshot of Weevil's home life, which I feel like is really great character building for him because so far we've just seen him as this high school student who's the leader of a motorcycle club yes not gang no he's a club mm-hmm. and you know he kind of gives off this tough guy persona and then we have a moment here where he's playing video games with his cousin Chardo, and all of the younger cousins are running around and it's just like a typical saturday yeah. at the navarro household he's just a person he's just a person yeah and then everybody's favorite sheriff shows up yeah. and arrests the grandmother for credit card fraud. Mm-hmm. And the crime du jour begins. Um, I also I want to insert here that um, I've decided to not continue trying to call the characters by their real names because I keep forgetting them. So uh-huh. I'm giving them my own names. And I'm loving the expression on your face right now. <laughs> so wait, we're not, we're not going to call. You, you can call them by whatever you want. But, but then I get confused. If I if I say deputy deputy douchebag, who am I talking about? Well, Deputy Sachs, or are we talking about Sheriff Lamb? It doesn't matter. I'm going to call him Deputy Douchebag. He should be. A, he's a sheriff. All right. He's a, he was a deputy when Keith Mars was sheriff. So I I'm ju- I'm just establishing this now. So when I say deputy deputy douchebag, you know who I'm talking. You're about. You're referring to Sheriff Lamb. And when I say Papa Mars, you know who I'm talking about. Oh, Keith Mars. And if I say Paris Hilton, you know who I'm talking about. Caitlin Ford. <laughs> I mean, luckily, this is the only episode where she's there. So oh. it's that's going to be a short-lived thing. But okay. So the crime du jour starts. Dun, 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 dun. Now, what I thought was really interesting about this initial kind of exploration of the crime du jour is that everybody assumes Weevil did it. Right. Right? So we've got Cliff McCormick, who's everybody's favorite public defender. Mm-hmm. He's representing Letty Navarro. And he asks Veronica, like, can we just get Weevil to cop up to it. Like, everybody thinks he did it. The sheriff does. Right. Deputy douchebag. And even Veronica, like, when she shows up and she's kind of checking out the paint job on his bike and... and... But the thing is, she doesn't really think it's that big a deal, I don't think. She's like, yeah, he stole credit cards from Logan's family. Kind of awesome. I'm not really mad at you. No, but at the same time, she is, I think, very much this kind of... Not a justice warrior, but well, very I, no, much... She's more upset that she's taking the fall. That it, it, he's letting his grandma take the fall right. and she's in jail for something... For for trivial things, you know, that right. show up on the statement. Because I think at that point when Cliff is in the office, 
he's reading off like just listen to these charges and he's the listing piercings them off. in the video game yeah and, and she's just like you're letting your grandma take the fall for this but one of the things that i thought was so crucial about their exchange is when she's like you know you've got this reputation and he fires immediately back with like oh so we're going off of what what people say well then is what people say about you true are you all of these things and it's i like as much as i love veronica as a character she can be very impulsive and wrong which i think is one of the greatest things about a character is when you right. can flaw them like that and i like that he gives her a dose of that like her own medicine mm-hmm. kind of in reality checks her a little bit um because it makes the moment when she realizes she doesn't think weevil did this that much more satisfying because now she's got like a fire in her right to prove to prove that weevil didn't do it mm-hmm is this um, where we first learn Weevil's real name? Because this first Eli. Uh, yeah, the, uh, mm-hmm. I don't think it was mentioned in the last episode. Yeah, Eli. I like I like Weevil better. Eli, Eli doesn't have as much. Uh, well, I mean, Weevil doesn't have a whole lot of punch to it either. It's like, ooh, Weevil's coming. It's uh, just such a cool name, though. Yeah, I really like it. They, I, 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 actually, I'm not going to ask you. My, my question was, I am going to ask you, but I don't want you to answer me. Where does the name Weevil come from? Do they ever? And don't they're, just don't answer me. I'm pretend I did not ask that question. You want to know something? No. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> that works. <laughs> I, I actually, as I'm sitting here, I'm like, do they ever talk about it? I don't know. Maybe that's something I research and bring for next time. Does that make me less of a super fan if I don't know where Weevil's name came yes. from? No, it doesn't. <laughs> because part of being a super fan is still finding things that you love about the show that are new. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's not. I don't know. <laughs> um Okay, so uh, one of the ways that Veronica starts to discover that Weevil might not be behind this is when she looks at the time in which a lot of the online purchases were made. Yep, she basically establishes an alibi for him. Yeah, and he's an auto shop. Right, Um, the one class he is not going to miss. Exactly. (laughs) And one of the things that's so great, and I'm going to do a little bit of a spoiler here, but I also feel like it's really important for the show, is when she finds out that Wallace is an aide in the office and immediately is like, can you photocopy his attendance records? And he's like, like he has this moment where he was like, oh my God. Like it's literally a moment where he's like, what have I gotten myself into right. with this friendship? Because she's like, this is totally normal. Just photocopy those records yeah, exactly. for me. And it's just so great because it's something that happens often. Right. Is, is Wallace is unintentionally pulled into these escapades mystery quests that she goes on i kind of got like it, i actually wrote down it was like oh he's in the uh he's an office assistant now that's convenient super convenient <laughs> um but also a lot of fun i think um and i think kind of is a vehicle for growing their friendship more because now you know as she goes on these quests now she can use him for something not use him but like they have something they can do to they have something they can do together yeah. shared interests <laughs> crime just one of those it's and it's a silly thing but one of the things that i i love that we see just kind of her slyness and how she is so good at her job mm-hmm. is when she is in newspaper journalism yes class because at this point she thinks that logan's the one who's been doing this like right. he's this rich kid he doesn't find any fault blame he does whatever he wants he was my the the clear he was the obvious choice for who'd done it yeah this time and that's that's exactly veronica's thought too right so she he kind of teases her not teases her but he's trying to like hurt her 
by saying like tell the truth like you just took newspapers so you could be closer to Duncan because you're obsessed with him kind of thing Mm -hmm. and she's like yeah she's like no I did it because I wanted to be closer to you which I love because she's just she gives off this air of just being completely unflappable which is wonderful because the moments when she is flappable are just they're so human and right. real and I think Kristen does such an incredible job and it makes them more meaningful for yeah. sure yeah and she's she's so like once we get further into the season and stuff starts to come out she's incredible but and and she goes no I I'm in here to be closer to you in fact they're thinking about putting me in your fourth period history class and then Caitlin's like we have computer lab fourth period I'm sorry Paris is like we have computer lab fourth period and she's like oh and then silly me because that's perfect time like you would need access to a computer to make online purchases at that time which Mm -hmm. is fourth period at that point that's where Veronica is convinced that Logan's behind this she shows up at her dad's office and she's like guys I got it I don't think Weevil did it but that's when we learn out we learn from Cliff that Weevil has confessed. Right. And they've let Letty go, and Weevil's taking the blame for the credit card fraud. Which we- I, I thought was huge for his character, too. Yeah. Um, uh, and we'll, we'll get into favorites later, but mm-hmm. um, I really like Weevil. And this, I mean, yeah, he's he's a bad, he's not a bad guy. He's He's got a lot of honor. Yeah. And there's a big, he's got a very, um, very deep honor system that mm-hmm. he adheres to. Yeah. Um, Anyway. And I think, you know, it, it makes me wonder too, sort of if Veronica visiting him got him to that point or if he was already kind of there with this idea of like everybody is going to think I already did it. It's easier if I just do this. On the way back from the surf competition, Duncan gets pulled over. Veronica's dad has to come kind of pick her up. And they, on their way home, swing by the Neptune Grand Hotel, which is where she's able to obtain the room service. Mm-hmm. Bill? And by the way, pa- Papa Mars does a fantastic job in pretending to be the, the pissed off dad. Yeah. Uh, I was really entertained by that. Yeah. And that's when they find out that the room service was signed by Paris Hilton. Yeah. And so it's like the plot thickens. So it's like even yeah, At least more. she signed a different name. She signed it Caitlin something or other. <laughs> Caitlin Ford. <laughs> she tried to... Wouldn't it be so great if they were like doing a take of and they're like, Paris, you need to stop signing your actual name. Your, your, your character <laughs> name is Caitlin Ford. They're like, you know what? We're just going to cut the scene entirely. We're not even going to show the bill because she just can't write her name correctly. I wouldn't put that past her. (laughs) (laughs) And so Veronica, the next day, she confronts Logan about it. I know what you did, but you made the mistake by letting your girlfriend sign for the room service bill. And then we see one of my favorite moments of the episode is this moment where Logan just kind of brushes it off like, you don't know what you're talking about. And then you, it kind of... She the camera, plants the seed. Like, yeah. Totally. And the camera like lingers on him long enough for that doubt. And I, and I think one of the things that Logan does really, really well is portraying this pompous asshole. Right. And also having this kind of like desperately doesn't want to be found out. Right. Like he, which I think we all kind of share that. Yeah, but I think that he, there's those two are so extreme for him that it's kind of jarring when you see him have these moments of like vulnerability where you're just like, ooh, like I just want you to keep being an asshole so I can keep hating you. Like, please don't make me feel bad for you. Right, and that's why I feel like that that first moment where I was just like, oh shit, like it wasn't him, and he's pretending like it is because he doesn't want to like lose face, but now he's kind of freaking out a little bit because he wasn't with his girlfriend at the hotel when she signed right. for all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that kind of starts the, I think, 
final sequence of events, which ties into the, the mystery itself. They have that really cool scene where Veronica is calling all the numbers that were dialed out of room service or out of the room. Mm-hmm. At the same time that Logan watching Paris <laughs> talking going, to Troy, right. and he's asking Duncan, like, hey, what do you know about that Troy? Because he's thinking it's maybe Troy. Right. Maybe Troy was with him. Nobody her. knows this guy. Right. You know, he's super, and he's being jealous. I think he even asks Duncan, like, how long have you known this guy? Yeah. Like that. And, and then he gets her phone. He starts dialing through her phone. See, she's called somebody at 1 a.m. Which also is a mark of the times. No password protection on that phone. It's a flip phone. It's a flip phone. <laughs> I got, I, you know, so great. And I love that they both end up, like, calling the phone number at the exact same time. And she has her dad end up looking, the, uh, looking up who the phone belongs to. Logan ends up connecting with Chardo and looking around the quad and seeing Chardo on the phone and he knows who he is. Yeah. And I the one the scene that comes next is the one that I love one of the ones that I love the most is when he's about to like confront him in the hallway and Veronica intervenes and like pushes Chardo into the men's bathroom. Right. Which is a thing she does often. Like as that happened, I was like Veronica actually spends a lot of time in the guy's restroom. It's a it's a power play. Like, it, so, like, yes. like talk about putting somebody in a vulnerable position. Yeah. Like a guy like Charo is, um, you know, he's a big guy. Big guy. You know, he doesn't mm-hmm. get intimidated easily. Yeah. Uh, she puts him in the corner. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and she confronts him and she's like, here's what you're going to do. Like you are letting your cousin take the fall. You are going to let your grandmother take the fall. And Charo's only defense for everything that he's done is like, I did it for love. Like, anything's okay if you did it for love. Right. And I'm like, with Paris? That also kind of brought me back really? to high school a lot. Yes. Like, God, we used to be such idiots. Yes. Where I'm just like, <laughs> it doesn't matter. We're going to run away together. We're going to be happy. And I'm like, oh, it's almost kind of heartbreaking because you just like, it's not, things aren't going to end the way you want them to end. And it's, right. you kind of feel bad for him. Mm-hmm. Because he's doing it for very human reasons. We also learned that Weevil has no idea, right? And, and Chardo's like, Weevil's never going to find out. How would he find out? And Veronica's like, I'm going to f- tell him. <laughs> and But she can't, obviously, because he's in jail. So she does the next best thing, which is goes and talks to their grandmother. Right. And it was a little bit heartbreaking that, for me, that the grandmother would offer up Weevil and make him take that fall without... Like, it would be different if Weevil knew. Right. And took the fall, but that his grandmother was keeping this from him. And it's like, well, when would you tell him? After he got out after four months? Like, that kind of broke my heart a little bit. Like, I understand her reason of, like, well, he's still a minor, and Trotter would go to actual jail. It would be a huge thing. And can we go, is it safe to assume that Weevil's probably already spent some time in juvie? Yeah, I think, yeah, it's definitely not his, I mean, Veronica's dad even says when when they're talking about Weevil doing it, he's like, I've been picking up Weevil since he was, like, 12. Right. Like, this is not this is not his first brush, right? So in the next scene, it's assumed that the grandmother changes her mind right. and that they go to the police. Weevil's released. And, and you can tell that he knows at this point. Veronica and him have this kind of reunion moment. They hug it out on the front porch of his house. I was kind of wondering how that was going to go, too, because, I don't know, he, he goes hot and cold with Veronica, it seems like, on a dime. Well, I think there's that their friendship is still new. Right. And I feel like they are people who have to keep their guard up. Mm-hmm. And so it's, they're quick to cut out people that could turn on them. Right. That, and I so I think it's like a caution type of thing. So, yeah, they do run hot and cold. I do think they eventually hit a stride. But it's I think at this point, it's still kind of like a protection thing. Like, I appreciate what you've done for me, but I'm still like to him. He might not know how quickly she might flip and go back to being an O-Niner. Right. You know what I mean? Like, if they were to forgive her and welcome her back, would she just stride back over there? And 
that actually brings up a point that mm-hmm. the amount of time that has passed since she was in o, like in the 09er cl- it's been a click, year. it's mm-hmm. it's been less than it's almost it's coming up on a year mm-hmm. we find out mm-hmm. all the flashbacks to her the way her character used to be that's a lot of change in one year yeah of course i also have a 12 year old daughter and <laughs> i'm i'm starting to see I'm like yeah a lot can change in one year yeah it's highlighting what can happen in adolescence yeah. and what certain events can do to your yeah. to your character and to your you know, not just a TV character, but your actual character, yeah. your, you as a person in less in less than 12 months time. So when they have this little reunion, Veronica basically says, like, the sheriffs are looking for Chardo. And then Weevil makes a, a statement to the effect of, well, he won't be the only one. And he's not because the PCHers are also going to be looking for him and Logan's looking for right. him. So we've got three people chasing this guy. And that's, like, further driving, like, escalating this final, like, climax of events where he is Chardo is outside Caitlin's house and he's like, this is it. This is the moment. We're running away. I don't have any bags on my motorcycle. I'm not even wearing a jacket or a helmet, but this is the moment. (laughs) We're going to run away right now. And of course, Paris looking from her castle on high is just like, no, this isn't going to happen. Silly boy. And also it's interesting that like all of these people are lying in wait for him to arrive. I, I, they all kind of come, pop out of the woodworks there. Yeah. Um, I would like to see the different camera angles of them like crouching like hide and seek style <laughs> behind right. bushes. I'm hiding behind the palm tree. No, man, that's my spot. <laughs> and one of them, and you don't really get to see him really in this episode and he only has one line, but one of my favorite characters, Dick Casablancas, is got this like long blondish surfer hair and he comes out and he's like, Logan. And he's, he's so great. I love his character. But that's where he's finally introduced. Like, this is the first episode you see him. I'm trying to remember. You won't remember about. him. He was literally like a blip. Is but he one of the O-Niners? Yes. Okay. Yeah, he's an O-Niner. Um, Does we'll he get have to the him. wavy Chad Kroger hair? No. Okay. I don't think so. Who's no, Chad Kroger? The singer for Nickelback. No. He definitely doesn't. It's not long. Anyway, <laughs> he'll be in a future episodes. Like, he, he doesn't go away. He's actually played by an actor named Ryan Hansen and him and Veronica Mars, I'm sorry, him and Kristen Bell are like best friends in real life. And it's just so cool that like here we are 14 years later and they're like, yeah, we still hang out on the reg all the time. And just, I love it. It just makes me so happy. <laughs> so we get to this kind of final climactic moment. They've got Chardo on the ground. Logan's got his foot on his neck, his skull, like his head's on the curb. And then around the corner rolls the PCHers. They roll up. And of course, Logan's got some snide comment for Weevil. And all Weevil has to say is, let's chat for a moment. Mm-hmm. And he pulls Logan over to the side. And you don't know what is said. No, he's basically saying, no, we got this. We got this. And Logan, there's kind of this like sombering moment for Logan where he's like, let him go. And you're like, what did Weevil say to to get Logan, who's so obviously hell-bent on kicking the shit out of this guy, to let him go? And what breaks my heart is Chardo thinks like he's just been rescued. Right. Where he's just like, I owe you, man. I'm so sorry. And he even says to... To Weevil, like, you know, I'm sorry you had to take the fall. I'm sorry I didn't talk. Like, I'm sorry I did all these stupid things and then made you take the fall for it. And that's when we realize, like, Weevil says, he's like, you're out. You're you're dead to me. This is his cousin. Like, this is his butt. Right. And brothers, man. We're brothers. brothers, man. I was like, well, you're cousins. But that, whatever. And we realize he's been cut from the club, which means he has to take a beating. Right. Which I'm also like, you're at a public beach. Like there's families playing in the background right, right. over there. Why are we beating this guy up at the beach? Because we have well, to be reminded we're in Southern California. In like, sh- why don't we go to an alley? Right. But the one thing that I do love is that we see a moment of Weevil and kind of his heart and depth. And, and like you said, that honor code. Mm-hmm. So he's 
he's doing this because this is how we do things. But he tells we he tells Felix like stop them before they take it too far. Right. He's upset. He's disappointed in Chardo, but he's not going to destroy him. Right. Because he cares about him. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's something he would do for anybody else in their club, but he does for for Chardo. I mean, I I don't know. He doesn't want to kill anybody. Mm-hmm. I don't think. It's what I've gathered so far. And I don't least. think they would kill him. It's just a beating until they you know, put him in the walk, hospital. Or, yeah. Basically. A uh, question for you regarding the mystery du jour is, did you figure it out? Um, I figured it out three times. And so, like you thought you figured it yeah, out? Yeah, the first two yeah. times were wrong, obviously. Yeah. So when it was the her signature on the room service bill, I mean, at that point I wrote, Paris, you terrible person. <laughs> Um, and also, you stupid person. Why would you sign your own damn name? Right? <laughs> God. And then when she confronts Logan, and uh, I mean, and then his reaction right there, it was obvious that he was kind of taken aback. Caught him by surprise so as well. So I didn't think that Charo was the... I I pointed the finger at her, not mm-hmm. not at him. Mm-hmm. And I mean, at the end of the end of the day, I still think it was her. I still blame her for everything. Oh, because... Make, she was like wanting this, and so he was like, "Whatever I can do to make you happy." She was so using it, her 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 womanly wiles. Wiles that was arousing to get her pink Vespa. Yeah. it's new. It only has two miles. I did not make the connection that that's where that came from. And I love when she rolls up on it. They're like, "Nice bike, <laughs> no helmet. You have to wear a helmet. It's California law." I wonder how that conversation went. It's like, "Oh, Charo, your bike is so sexy. I, I wish I had a motorcycle." That was pink and not a motorcycle, <laughs> but a Vespa. Which is funny because I've never attributed Vespas to the popular Vespas. crowd. Uh, I, I always wanted a Vespa, but I always thought they were for more of the practical, um, maybe artsy types. I'm very practical and artsy. Yes. So it would fit me. I'd need like a sidecar for Kipling. That would though. be adorable. Oh my God. She'd be so <laughs> or a cute. a trailer. Little like goggles. Yeah. One of the things that I, I, I do like about the writing just for Veronica Mars in general, is Rob Thomas is very good at writing red herrings. Like, Mm -hmm. writing such smart reveals and clever misdirections that you believe everything they want you to believe. If Like, if you're just sitting back and enjoying the episode. Like, when I – so I'm a writer, and when I'm not enjoying a movie or a TV show or something, I pick it apart because I'm bored. Mm -hmm. And I figure out the the various – who did it, what's going to happen next. But when I love something, even if it's ridiculous, I still follow along. Like I'm I'm in it. I'm invested. I don't see things when they're coming um, because I'm just enjoying the story. You let the story do its job yeah. and, and I tell feel you things like, when it's supposed to be told. Yeah. And I think that that's one of the reasons I really liked Veronica Mars in the beginning is there was so much great things going on that I was just like happy to be there for an hour every week. It was just so much like they just made it such a fun world to be a part of and I liked figuring out like I would I would figure things out like a fraction of a second before they would reveal it. Right. And I'd be like, oh, oh shit. like I and I, I was like, oh, I figured. Oh, no, they just told us. Like, <laughs> I would literally figure it out right before. You still beat the characters. You still win. Yeah. I, but, you know, but I also feel like that's the intention is like they're giving you that thing so you can figure it out right as Veronica does. And right. I'm just like we're we're figuring this out together, V, you and me. Oh, and you I guys are on you. a first letter basis now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's talk about the overall mysteries. So we talked about in our first episode, you know, some of the main mysteries that they have going on right now is obviously who killed Lily Kane. We've got why did Veronica's mom leave? Why did Duncan break up with Veronica? Why is Veronica's dad still investigating 
the murder Mm -hmm. and not telling her about it and locking up all of his evidence and whatnot in his safe that he doesn't know that she has the code for. Which I was like, dude, you've got a crafty as fuck daughter. Right. How do you... (laughs) She knows what your passcode (laughs) is. You should be changing that daily. You're so sweet. You know, does he really want her out of... I don't know. I don't know. And you know what's interesting is, you know, I told you, I think I told you in the last one that like she's not a real PI. She doesn't have a license. But there's... In this episode specifically, Keith en- enlists her in this. Right. And I do think he he sees her as smart and capable and and she knows things. But he basically asks her, like, will you take point on because finding things out about your, Weevil? It's at your school. Because so, it's at yeah. your school. So, like, if she were to get in trouble for getting – so if Wallace got caught photocopying attendance records. He didn't tell her to, you know, circumvent. But I mean, like, like in, at what point, Keith, were you would you take responsibility for <laughs> – I mean, yes, she could have done other things like just asked Weevil or talked to his teacher right. or whatnot. Or just keep an eye um, on him. I think that and, and at the end of the day, I think it, the, the conversation would be, which I've had this conversation with my daughter as well. Why did you get caught? <laughs> You're smarter than that. You're smarter than that. <laughs> you shouldn't have gotten caught. So I guess I'll start with kind of the more benign mysteries for um, the romantics out there is... Why did Duncan break up with Veronica? I don't know. Well, in the flashback that we have of her and Lily driving in the car, Mm -hmm. we learn a little bit more about Celeste Kane, which is Duncan's mother. Right. And that we kind of get this from the first episode is Veronica's like, she hates me. No, we didn't kind of get it. Like she flat out says, this, this woman true. hates me. She always, we, she's always hated me. Yes. And we see Celeste when she comes out of Keith Mars' office at the invest, in the beginning when he she hired him to kind of follow um, Jake around. Right. She's like, as much as I hate being here and hate seeing all of you and kind of gives Veronica this like look of like trash kind of thing. Um, and so we get this strong sense that he doesn't like her. And Lily has no problem confirming that. But she spins it in a way of like, well, Celeste, who I love that she like refers to her mom by her her first name. Mm-hmm. Celeste would hate anybody that she thought Duncan loved more than her, which which I feel like is like, I, I almost wondered if, if Veronica was like, Duncan loves me. Like there's that moment where she's like, we haven't said it yet, but does he? Has he told you something? Like I was like, <laughs> I always want the conversation to go that way, but we're on point. We have important things to uncover here. And then Lily follows that with like, you better be careful. Like she'll break you up if she can. And I'm like, Okay, noted. Right, Celeste Kane. But I feel like that's the only time in this episode where they really because you because then also that's like butted up against Duncan looking super jealous as Troy helps Veronica change her flat tire. Right, and you get the feeling that he never wanted to break up with her, yeah. and that would explain a lot of the the cold shoulder and the the distance that because they. Yeah, that's right. We established last time they yeah. broke up before Lily died, mm-hmm. and it was just weird. It was just like it went from you like know, overnight. Yeah, just it overnight just from sixty to zero. And there's no closure about it. Like you can tell she doesn't know why. I don't even feel like he gave her like a fake reason. Like I just don't love you anymore, or I'm seeing somebody else. Or did he just ghost her? I mean, can you ghost somebody who's your best friend's sister that you see at school? You all the can. Time? It just takes a little more effort. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hiding behind the palm tree. <laughs> out in front of the school i'm homeschooled now so the next one is the dad's investigation continuing Mm -hmm. and we don't really get that much into it but what we do get that's i think is so interesting because it's touched upon in the pilot but it's not really expanded upon is how does veronica feel about the choice that she made Mm -hmm. and she has kind of this moment where she questions whether or not it was the right one 
because she did lose all of her friends and she does she I think, lost pretty much everything but her father basically and i think you know in those high stakes emotional moments it's easy to pick a side we see her you know when she throws away her, the unicorn uh, music box in the pilot after her mom leaves her the note that's another like not impulsive moment but where she just kind of like she's like fine we're done which i think is very teenager it's also still very 35 year old Corey, where i was just like <laughs> fine we're over like i'm done we're good um, how many music boxes have you thrown away Corey? god like i've lost count yeah of how many and then I buy new ones so I can throw them away again. <laughs> Pick them up at Goodwill. They're super cheap. That's just like my move, my signature move now when I get really upset is I just throw away music boxes. Yeah. Um, you just have to keep some. You have a recurring order on Amazon that just ships you one every three months. Mm-hmm. I have a shelf in my office closet. It's full of – some of them are broken. There's a Mickey Mouse one. Okay, this is going too far. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but she wrestles with whether she made the right choice standing by her dad. And I don't think – she's really talked to her dad about the case because in this episode, she asks him like, why did you go after Jake Kane? And like point blank asks him because I think she wants him to give her something that can reassure her that she made the right choice, right. you know? And he, he still doesn't. And I, and I think that that's so great because one that reiterates the boundaries in their relationship where he's the father, he doesn't have to answer her questions is he protecting her from something? Does he not really know? I, know? Th- I think it's a protection thing. Yeah. And and I, mean, I think Veronica's mother has something to do with that. But that's let's save that for Sean's prediction yes. corner. Because Corey's <laughs> not very good at not reacting to the things that you say and I'm going to give something away. Uh, and I don't want to do that because that's not fun. Because we've got 20 more episodes ahead of us. And I'm a bit of a detective. (laughs) Are you? (laughs) I'm a regular sleuth. Um... So anyway, so he doesn't give her a straight answer, but it's it's kind of almost... I don't think she's acknowledged or confronted her father about still investigating the Lily Kay murder, but I think it's sort of this greater conversation about her wanting to understand why he did what he did Mm -hmm. Because it changed everything. And he even said that, like, if I had to do this again, if I had known everything that would have come after it, would he have done it differently? Um, and I think that that's important for her. And I think that it it gives her an opportunity to reaffirm after everything, in hindsight, looking back at everything that's happened, would she have made the same choice, right? Would she have chosen her father or would she have stuck with her friends? Mm-hmm. Um, and we see sort of an embodiment of that choice again when she chooses to not go to Troy's party. Because earlier in the episode, Troy invites her and Wallace. And Wallace is like, hell yeah. I love Wallace. <laughs> yeah, let's go to the party. And he's like, I just want to have friends, Veronica. I just want to be cool. And she's like, well, you shouldn't have sat at my table. Right. Uh, I'm your only friend. I'm your Deal with only it. friend. And I don't like parties. But it is one of those things, especially when you're a teenager, I feel like everything is at an emotional like 11. Yeah. You know, it's all the way dialed up. And a lot of the choices that you made, you make are very driven by emotions and impulse and not necessarily thought. And that's not a dig at teenagers. Like there's a lot going on for you to process and you don't necessarily have that life experience or the knowledge of what could come after right. to reflect. And I mean, adults, that happens with adults. That stuff still happens with me all the time. So it's not like that changes, but... It gets easier. It gets easier. And I think giving Veronica that year of reflection allows her to have that moment 
of saying like, would I still make this decision less on impulse and loyalty and more on like what's right and wrong? Um, and she would, which I think is great. Yep. So the last one we have, the big one, is what we learn about Lily Kane in this episode. This is where I'm going to put a timpani roll in the, the background. Really? No, I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you can if you want. So we find out a lot of really important things in this episode. So in the beginning, we have Veronica and Keith Papamars hanging out at the diner, mm-hmm. having breakfast before school, which I was like, in high school, I never had time to have breakfast at a proper establishment before school. I was literally like eating a toaster strudel on my walk to school. Yeah. I mean, but also you see people, you, you see on TV all the time, the families that wake up and cook eggs and bacon. Everybody's all sitting there. It's, with Does their that really happen? I don't know. Is that a thing? I feel like, no. I had like, I was eating bowls of cereal like in the bathroom as I'm like brushing my hair in the morning. So I think the, the, the <laughs> empirical evidence is your experience and my experience. And that's all we need. So it does not happen. <laughs> it does not it happen. Does it's not a real thing. <laughs> but we learn uh, Lamb crashes, W douchebag mm-hmm. crashes. And we learn a lot of things that like we're coming up on a year from the murder of Lily Kane. And that... By the way, and this also brings up one of my favorite lines. What's that? It, it's the... Um, he's like, yeah, I... I believe those are two guys you hired, and uh, pa- Papa Mars says something along the that's lines leadership. of oh, that, that. That's leadership right there. The buck stops fair. There. <laughs> that is that is one of my favorite lines, and it, it is really great. And we also one of the things that I just think is really funny too is in that moment he kind of shows the newspaper, and there's they have a murderer who escaped police custody, and then that's when Lamb's like, "Well, those are the two guys that you hired." And then later on in the episode, Keith the catches end. the guy and brings him <laughs> and he in. Says, and he says, like, I think you lost this. Do you, are you going to write me the check or should I go see accounts payable? And I'm just like, and, and, and he just goes into his office. And I just think it's so great because Keith is such a fucking badass. And then, he, oh, do I, oh, do I follow you? Yeah. No, no. I'll, I'll, I'll just go talk to accounts payable. We're good. But in that moment, there's kind of this like escalation between Lamb because Lamb's trying to like put his foot on Keith and like push him down and Keith can withstand pretty much everything because he's a badass. We learn that an anonymous tip is what pointed them right, towards that no, Abel Coops. That nobody, nobody no, fessed up to. to nobody came to claim the $100,000 reward for it, right. which is very suspicious. And also, it's kind of a dig at, at Sheriff Lamb where it's like, you had to do no detective work. Yeah. So like, <laughs> don't feel like you're like this badass because you solved it. Because literally somebody called and told you, hey, look into this guy. By the way, I don't want the money which I think is very suspicious. But then the other thing that we find is during the drive back from the surf competition, we have Duncan and, and Veronica in his car and they get pulled over. Mm-hmm. And we find out there's an impound notice on the car for several parking tickets and a moving violation that are dated October 3rd, which Ooh. is the second time we've heard this specific date in the episode. Yep. The first being in the beginning when Lamb is like, we're coming up on the anniversary. Yep. What are you going to do to celebrate October 3rd? So we know it's like kind of driving home that idea of like, this is an important day. October 3rd is the day that Lily Kane died. And that the moving violations are, well, I mean, I guess we wouldn't know they're hers. Because Duncan says, like he's, you see Duncan on the phone. He's like, no, they're, they're Lily's. Like they're hers. And in the closing, as we bring this episode to a close, we see that Veronica, she kind of tells a story about this time her and Lily made fake IDs. Yeah. 
And she takes Lily's fake ID to the sheriff's office on a Sunday because they have a different staff. Sunday receptionist. That's that's what I have her as the character. (laughs) Sunday. Credited as Sunday receptionist. (laughs) But Lamb is there. And you kind of see this moment where she's like, oh, shit. Because that's like a – it's also a great reminder that, like, she can be as crafty as she wants. But that doesn't mean that plans are always going to go her way. Right. But she's going there in hopes that she can get more information about the moving violations and the tickets that she now knows – Lily has from the day that she dies. Why did they get fake IDs of themselves made? I think just to make them older. I got the idea. I got the impression that the ID ID she had had her picture on it, mm-hmm. but with Lily Kane's name on it. it sure. Or did they did they change names and ages? Like I mean, well, or it could have just been two blonde girls. Yeah, you know, it's, it's and true. the woman might not have looked. Yeah, but really she was a blonde girl too. It's just looking at the she name. She was a blonde girl too. Maybe she knows that they all look the same. Yeah. I'm just kidding. You don't all look the same. But I mean, it could have been a thing where she didn't really look at the picture and she just kind of looked at the name and yeah, went to possible. go look it up in the. Anyway. All right, poking holes. Sorry. Details. I'm not. I'm not. Not on board with you on that. But the key piece of information that we learn is that there's a red light traffic cam that captures Lily in her car two hours after. 6.02 p.m., yep. which is her supposed time of death. Yep. And that's important for one huge reason is that now all of the Kane alibis are suspect again. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because they were all accounted for, uh, which we learned in the beginning of the episode during that, that ca- cafe scene, the diner scene, um, is that they all had airtight alibis and now they don't. It also shows that she was running a red light around that time, which may indicate that she was in a hurry. Maybe. I guess we'll find out. And it's, I mean, one of the things I did like about this episode is you start to see, I mean, because you don't see a lot of people, a lot of characters in that pilot episode. You get those first impressions. And now we're starting to see more depth to all these different characters that Veronica can be wrong about Weevil and she can be biased. And we see... Logan has some weaknesses. Has some weaknesses and insecurities. Mm -hmm. And that Weevil also has some weaknesses um, and a softer side to Mm -hmm. him, which is nice. So what did you love about this episode? Like what made you giggle, excited you? What did you like about it? I mean, I think we've already touched on most of it. Uh Um, Papa Mars, obviously, he's still my favorite character. So great. Um, I really liked um, the character growth, uh, Weevil's character growth in this one. Um, learning more about him, about his home life, just him him and his cousin sitting around playing Madden on Xbox and, you know, taking the fall for his grandmother and everything like that. Um, I uh, I don't know. I, I, I gained a lot of respect for his character in this one. Um, and, uh, no, I... The, the, one of the first notes I wrote was, oh, this is going to be a Weevil-centric episode. Mm-hmm. And I was excited about that, and I, I still am. I, I, I want more Weevil. I think he needs his own show. Yeah, I think it's I think it's important too that they did that right at the beginning too because he does I don't want to be like he does become this super important character, but he does recur a lot. And so I think it's if we are meant to like him, we need to have reasons to like him very quickly. Right. You need to set that up. You need to make him kind of this multifaceted character. And in 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 a in an effect of that we also get that out of Logan too, is it's an opportunity to highlight because these are all characters that we're going to see throughout the series. And the best thing about a character is a character that you can hate 
but also feel bad for or have a moment of like, huh. And I think that they do that with a lot of people. And like Logan isn't so bad. I mean, not Logan. Duncan isn't so bad. He'll get better. Uh, did you have anything else you loved before I give mine? No. Um, that I, I love the episode. Um, I, I really, I really enjoyed it. Um, I liked it better than the first one. Yeah. Um, I guess the first it, one's just heavy. There's a lot of stuff. Right. And I was excited that we would have, you know, a little more story to talk about this time and a little less character, bu- character building and stuff. Yeah. I think the mystery du jours do that for us. Right. Um, cause they're fun and very episodic. So thanks Rob Thomas. Yeah. Uh, my favorite is the Neptune grand scene with Papa, Papa Mars, Keith Mars. And his reaction where they come in and he's like, and she's like, so here's the thing. Tequila, never again. <laughs> and he's in the background having these like verbal, rea- like nonverbal reactions where he's like, huff. <laughs> and he's, you know, and his eyes are going and he's like miffed. And, but the best part is when the woman goes back to see about getting the, the tape. And he's like, how did I do? How did I do? And she's like, you did okay. And he's like, did I, it, was a little, it was a little much. She's like, it was a little much. And he's like making her laugh. And she's like, stop. Like, it's just, <laughs> it's such a fun, it's such a fun dynamic. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, you know, the actors themselves get along very well. And that's a very easy thing for them. But I also think it's a lot of the writing and just who the characters are. And again, Keith Mars and Veronica, their relationship and the fa- how it's found so foundational to the show is one of the things I love the most about Veronica Mars. I feel like it also sort of speaks to like the ridiculous things. Like I could never pull off that scene with my dad and my dad's cool and was a cop, but like I couldn't go into a hotel and pretend that I had like, as a minor, I went to a hotel and had a one night stand with a guy. And my dad's just casually okay with the fact that I'm now pregnant, not casually, <laughs> right. it wasn't casually, but like, that is not how that like, – and I couldn't joke with my dad and be like, hey, dad, let's go in there and pretend this happened. He would be like, uh, no. no. <laughs> so Not even going to dream about it. Yeah, and so I feel like, you know, that is a TV aspect of being able to, like, fantasy this situation. But also I think it speaks to kind of just – I think their dynamic as a father and daughter and that whole, like, this is what we do is we don't con people, but we make up these situations in order to – as private investigators in order to get answers or clues and stuff that we need to do our job. It's just funny. Um, Okay. So I think that that's, I guess that's it. Yeah. Is that it? I think so. That's this week's episode of Life After Mars. Uh, We hope you enjoyed it. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at, at Life After Mars podcast. And you can email your thoughts, concerns, questions, critiques, (laughs) <laughs> to life after mars podcast at gmail.com and eventually we'll be able to tell you where you can find more episodes of life after, life after we mars don't podcast. know where we're gonna post this we're assuming apple podcasts because i feel like that's the place people post podcasts if you have apple products like you do um please leave us a review um that's how that helps people find us and see us and share with your friends please yes please and we uh we will see you next week all right bye bye